Commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. On this episode of The Contracting Experience, we welcome back a previous guest on the podcast, Ms. Joyce Pappas, who is an Industrial Security Program Manager at Headquarters Air Force Material Command Information Protection Office. This episode will look at industrial security from a small business and defense contractor's point of view. I encourage acquisition folks to listen to this episode as it covers questions that contractors bidding on your acquisitions may be asking when considering doing business with the government. Also, go back to episode six to get refreshed on our Industrial Security Explained episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Joyce Pappas, who is a Industrial Security Program Manager for the Information Protection Office at Headquarters Air Force Material Command. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. And so I just want to remind the listeners that we spoke with you last December on episode six, Um, in an episode called Industrial Security Explained. So um, if people want to get a refresher on that, please go listen to that episode. And then we're also going to talk to um, some of that at the beginning of this conversation, some of those terms. But this particular episode, we wanted to tailor for um, small businesses, defense contractors, um, questions that that we've been seeing um, to kind of help them through this process. Uh, But this is also important for acquisition professionals to understand from, their, from the small business and contractor's perspective, what kind of questions these guys have and how, you know, for the government, how we can help them work through that and doing business with the government. So Joyce, first question, in our current national security environment, there is an increased emphasis on working with small businesses and non-traditional defense companies to bring in new and innovative capabilities into the Air Force. What message would you like to convey to those companies when it comes to information protection and doing business with the government? Well, when doing business with the government, specifically the Department of Defense in general, I know I said specifically, but you always have to point uh, to one or the other. I know you mentioned Air Force, and it's important to keep in mind that there may be additional required safeguards. So it's important to ask questions during the solicitation and request for proposal process that can help you gain a better understanding of security requirements placed on a defense contract. It doesn't hurt to ask if the effort will require a company to have enhanced cybersecurity requirements on their company networks, or if a company will be expected to implement additional safeguards in relation to the protection of classified information. And then for some resources, which we might talk about this later on in the conversation as well, um, on the previous episode, we had talked about the Defense Security Service and their website, um, which is now um, the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency. So if you want to talk to that and maybe another resource to throw out there. Sure. One of the main things, if you listen to the prior um, webcast episode last year, is we kept saying Defense Security Service. But as mentioned, they changed their name to the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency. It was a result of a merger of the investigation arm of OPM, the MBIB, to the DOD. Now they're a big agency. Up front, they do provide resources for industry and government personnel alike. Their new website is dcsa.mil. 
Anyone can navigate to the website. It's open to the public. Again, government and contractor alike. And here you can find a lot of the information that we're going to be talking about today there to include some templates and handbooks. So to level set for this conversation, can you remind listeners what a classified contract is and what classified information is? So a classified contract is simply a contract that requires access to classified information. Information is designated as classified information as it is in the, in the best interest of national security. So unauthorized release and disclosure of such information may cause varying levels of damage. Now there are three levels of classified information, so I'll start with the highest and then go down to the lowest. There's top secret, secret, and confidential. Each level is associated with what type of damage may be done to national security in the event that information isn't handled properly. Top secret information is that which could cause grave damage to national security. Secret information causes serious damage to national security. And confidential causes simply damage to national security. Does a company need to meet additional requirements to perform on a classified contract? That's a very good question. A lot of people think it's a classified contract. I can do business as usual, but because there's classified contract requirements, a company requires something called a facility clearance. So not only do they have to possess a facility clearance, but they have to maintain an active status of such facility clearance. So, and we also talked about this next question in the last ep in the episode that we did last year, but I wanted to hit on it again, because um, I know that a lot of the small business out there, you know, this is a question that they bring up. What is a facility clearance and must a defense contractor have a facility clearance prior to being awarded a classified contract? And if the contractor does not have a facility clearance, how does it obtain one? Well, before I get into the details, I think it's important to mention that if you hear the word facility, it is referring to a business entity or company. So defined, a facility clearance is an administrative determination that a company is eligible for access to classified information or the award of a classified contract. Now, is a facility clearance required prior to the classified contract award? The short policy answer is no. However, there are times when classified contracts require a facility clearance upon contract award. It is important to note that it is up to the requirements owner to make that decision. So as someone bidding on such contracts, those are the words that you'd want to see in these solicitations. If one is required upon contract award, that would mean they have made a determination that they want one up front. So how does a company wanting to perform on a classified contract obtain one if they don't have one? There's a process a company must go through. The very first step, there must be a requirement to access classified information. For contractors, this is a classified contract requirement. To use an example here, say a company was recently awarded a classified contract with the Air Force and it does not have a facility clearance. What's next? To initiate this process, a company must be sponsored by either a government customer or another cleared contractor already a participant within the National Security Program. What that means is that that cleared contractor already has a facility clearance. And what I mean by a cleared contractor in this case, again, is a contractor already in the system. In the example I provided, the Air Force would sponsor the new company for facility clearance. The sponsorship involves the Air Force sending a request to the Department of Defense, specifically the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency, or DCSA, and the process begins.
Before I go on to briefly describe what to expect, it is important to note that a facility clearance level is dependent on the level of classified information needed to perform on a classified contract. If a company only requires access to information classified at the secret level, then it will only be processed for a secret facility clearance. So moving on, a facility clearance formula, what have you, could be seen as a facility clearance equals a valid requirement, such as that classified contract, plus business vetting, plus identified company personnel obtaining the level of security clearance needed commensurate with the level of the classified contract. Upon acceptance of the sponsorship package at the Department of Defense, or DCSA, the process begins and the, the company begins to work with DCSA personnel. And as noted at the beginning of this podcast, there are resources available to you online, again, dcsa.mil, where you can find a facility clearance handbook or guide to show you what is expected to you and what the steps are. Though I want to stress that it is important for a company to follow all instructions provided to them during this process by the DCSA. Company personnel are gonna be asked for a variety of information, including, but not limited to, business documentation and citizenship information. Part of this facility clearance formula is that there will be company personnel identified to be submitted for personnel security clearances. These are management-like personnel that are cleared in addition to those at the company who will actually be doing the classified work. When a company is going through the facility clearance process and subsequent maintenance of the facility clearance, does a company have a central point of contact? Well, yes. Every company has a central point of contact assigned to them at the DCSA. This is to not only help them through the facility clearance process, but also be the main focal point for the duration of the active facility clearance. Each company is required to have a trained individual named as what's called the Facility Security Officer, or also known as FSO. This individual at a company is responsible for being knowledgeable of basic industrial security concepts and required to implement the industrial security program at a company. The FSO serves as the main interface between the company and the DCSA. You mentioned a company facility security officer is required to be trained and knowledgeable of National Industrial Security Program or NISP requirements. How is training provided? Training is provided by the DCSA through what's called the Center for Development and Security Excellence, or CDSC. This training is online, and the best part, it's free. <laughs> uh, you can go to cdsc.edu for additional information on all the online training opportunities, job aids, toolkits, security shorts. Uh, the security shorts are mini YouTube videos, all the way to some archived webinars. It's a great resource for anyone looking to educate themselves on security from industry all the way to government personnel. Great, so we'll make sure we put the DCSA and, and the CDSE um, links into the show notes so people can get to those sites. Yes, absolutely. Those are gonna be your main two resources that'll be providing you the most information. Great. Joyce, can you talk to a particular costs a company should be prepared to consider? Now, the costs are dependent on the type of requirements placed on the contract. There's, of course, the cost to have an individual perform security functions at the company. Think of overhead. 
There are costs associated with obtaining electronic certificates to access security-related databases, such as uh, some of you may have heard PKI certificates or PKI tokens. There are fingerprinting costs also to be considered. If a company is required to store classified information at the company site, then there are additional costs to consider, such as uh, storage equipment, destruction equipment, as necessary, of course, and potential construction costs. There are potential cybersecurity-related costs, but again, it's dependent on contract requirements. That's why these questions, as recommended in the beginning of this podcast, uh, questions should be really asked during that solicitation process, proposal process, just to gauge what will you as a contractor be expected to do. Will you be expected to store stuff at your site? If you are, yes, you're probably going to have to buy a safe. You're most likely going to have to establish a classified mailing address, which could either be uh, free or it could have a cost associated to it, such as a P.O. box. You may need a classified shredder, which means you cannot go to Walmart or another business establishment to buy them. There's a special channel and a special requirement to buy them. So it's important to ask these questions before you buy anything. And the cybersecurity requirements, again, are dependent on the contract requirements and what clauses are placed on your contract. Because depending on the information you're going to have, even on your unclassified networks, you may have a cost on, we'll say, we used to say locking down the networks to DOD requirements. But these are all things that you would have to communicate between yourselves and the contracting officer. Now, some good news. Uh, Amber, do you remember when I mentioned company personnel requiring security clearances earlier in this podcast? I'm glad you remember. <laughs> so some of the listeners may be asking themselves, well, who pays for these investigations? The good news is the DOD pays for that. The company would, of course, be responsible for, for fingerprinting, right? But your basic costs associated with that investigation, it's covered. It's always nice to hear about things that don't incur costs, yes. right? We talk about costs all the time, <laughs> exactly. but a lot of things such as those resources and in the investigation piece, it, it's, it's free. No, I appreciate you going into some of those specifics. Um, I think it's important, you know, from from the industry side and for the government. You know, everybody's excited, everybody wants to get on contract and win a contract and, and all that, but if those things are not dealt with um, before the contract is awarded, it can create a lot of issues when trying to actually execute the effort and perform from the contractor's perspective. Oh, absolutely, and that's when we give you these resources, if, if a company takes the time to educate themselves and go online and read the regulations and read these guides, they know, say they know they're going to be a part of this process, to prepare themselves, it just helps everybody. Right. It helps the company and it helps the end user because now maybe a company could be more knowledgeable and, and able to perform potentially faster. Right. Last question for you, what are some potential consequences a company may face if it does not upload the requirements of a facility clearance and ultimately those of the National Industrial Security Program? If a company fails to uphold the basic requirements of the National Industrial Security Program, it risks having adverse actions taken against the facility clearance status, such as invalidation and revocation actions. If warranted, the DOD may initiate an invalidation action. Here, in this particular case, government customers are notified of your change status. In an invalidated state, a company can continue to perform on classified contracts only upon the authorization of their government customer. 
Additionally, the circumstances leading to the invalidation need to be mitigated. Additionally, until the circumstances leading to the invalidation are mitigated, a company cannot be awarded new classified contracts or even provided new classified information. A revocation action is more serious. It is an action, as indicated by the term, where the facility clearance is removed and the company can no longer perform unclassified contracts. Now, things that can lead up to either an invalidation or revocation may involve a company not meeting the basic requirements of the National Industrial Security Program, such as doing poorly on an inspection, a company not communicating change in their business, such as maybe a business structure change or ownership change. Contracting actions can be taken because these security requirements are on contract through the Federal Acquisition Regulation. Specifically, there's a FAR clause for it. It's FAR Clause 52.204-2. This is why it is so important to ensure a company takes security requirements seriously and offers that management support to security personnel that sit in that role as a security facility security officer or the supporting staff making sure there's resources that they can implement the program at their company because when that program is not implemented properly you risk losing those classified contracts and and i know i've said this many 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 times but there are resources available to you online to research these requirements the dcsa does an excellent job in providing these to you online and they serve as a gateway to additional resources here one can find links again to all the applicable regulations, frequently asked questions, and basic guides associated with the facility clearance process. Great. Well, thank you so much, Joyce, for your time and providing your perspective on these questions today. Thank you for having me. Anything that we can do to get the word out as far as resources and where these individuals can learn about the process, Getting a classified contract is not a scary thing. It, it really isn't. If someone is educated on what they need to do, there's resources available for you to, for free to include training, things online. It, it helps you and it helps the government, it helps the warfighter. We're all one team, one fight, right? But um, as noted, if, if you don't do what you need to do, action is taken as appropriate. So thank you again, I appreciate it and anything you need from me in the future, I'm here. Awesome. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at thecontractingexperience at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.